Hello everyone, I hope you're all staying safe out there. As you can probably hear, I've got a bit of a cold at the moment. Well, I hope it's a cold, to be honest, but... I hope you're all staying inside. I don't know about all the countries you're from, but here in England, we're on lockdown now, as of yesterday when Boris told us, so... I'm staying inside, apart from working in the hospital, which I do. So, apart from that, I'm staying in, and uh, I'm not in work at the moment, actually, this week, because I have a cold, so... <laughs> I'm going to try and get some uploads out if I can. Hope you're all keeping safe. Make sure you don't go outside and keep washing your hands, everyone. Also, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, the tag is tcpg underscore one, and the link is in all the descriptions in the videos. I hope you'll enjoy this video, and I'll catch you soon. This happened just over three and a half years ago, so the end of summer 2016. My identical twin brother Noah and I were sharing a really bad two-bedroom apartment in a horrible part of town, simply because it was still better than our college's freshman dorms. We were two stupid 18-year-olds, and had we not been so dumb and childish, this whole situation could have been avoided. But nonetheless, let's get into the story. It was the end of summer as I said, and we had just moved into these apartments less than a month ago from our relatively nice house in a completely different state. This being the case, and also it being our first time living on our own, we had yet to get into the habit of locking all our doors and windows, as I assume most people do when they first move out. We hadn't had any bad experiences thus far, no one had tried to break in, and although we usually fell asleep to the sounds of gunshots and police sirens, we had begun to get used to it, so we weren't really on our guard. One night I'd made a stupid decision that I was going to try and tie dry a shirt in our bathroom. Why? Well, there's no good explanation really, other than it was a summer night, and we really didn't have any friends in the area yet. Plus we had leftover dye from the 4th of July. So I grabbed the white shirt from my closet and got to work. I'm not sure what Noah was doing at the time. I asked him, and he doesn't seem to remember either. But I do remember very clearly that I called him out multiple times and he didn't answer. So eventually I did go and look for him. He finally walked out of the kitchen after me yelling his name for the sixth time. I don't remember if he was ignoring me purposefully or if he did actually hear me in the tiny apartment, but I do remember being so annoyed I started trying to grab onto his grey t-shirt with my wet, dye-covered hands. I started chasing him around the apartment, weaving through doorways and our joint bathroom until he finally whipped the door open and sprinted into the hallway. I followed automatically, the thought of shutting the door behind me not even crossed my mind as we raced down the hall. We were laughing like the young idiot teenagers we were, as I finally cornered him and left a few good stains on his shirt. He of course pretended to be pissed and kept pushing me against the wall as we walked back. No doubt angering our neighbours who most likely hated us already. When we reached the apartment, the unlocked and wide open door barely even registered to either of us. I'd left it like that after all, and since nothing had happened to us prior, why would something happen now, right? It was pretty late at that point, so I decided I'd clean up the bathroom the next morning so I wouldn't keep Noah up even later. Like I said, the bathroom was joint between our rooms and I didn't want to be loud. When I was walking into my bedroom, I got a feeling. It wasn't necessarily bad, just like I wasn't alone. Like something else was in there with me. This obviously didn't make any sense as I could hear Noah in his room through the wall. But I just shrugged it off as I'm a pretty relaxed person and try to make sense of everything logically. Not smart in this case. 
I wasn't wearing a shirt because I'd been in the middle of tie-dyeing and my shorts and I managed not to get dirty the whole debacle so I left them on, turned the lights off and hopped in bed. The silence except for the sounds of the back streets suggested to me that Noah had done the same. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I couldn't shake that feeling that someone's in my room with me. I glanced around, looking at every corner just to make sure of what I don't know, but there wasn't even a shadow. What was I being so paranoid about? I rolled over on my side, squeezing my eyes shut and trying to ignore that now creepy feeling as I waited for sleep, but it didn't come. I'd left my phone in the living room where it was charging and I didn't feel like getting up to get it. So I laid there in the dark, staring at the moon through my window as the time began to pass. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30, an hour. About two hours had gone by before I finally started to become drowsy. Slowly, I allowed my eyelids to close, letting the world around me become fuzzy as my tired mind ignored the sound of my closet door opening. My closet door opening. I shot up into a sitting position as my eyes automatically fixed on my closet. My bed was facing the door head on and instead of being shut tight like it had been after I grabbed the tie-dye shirt, it was halfway open and moving back and forth ever so slightly. It was as if there was a hand on the doorknob that was trying to keep still. There was someone in my closet. Noah, it had to be him. He must have snuck in without me noticing him. So I swallow hard and open my mouth. Noah! It comes out dry and croaky, like when I'm sick. No response. And that's how I knew it wasn't him in my closet. I know my twin. He would have jumped out immediately, not being able to hold his laughs from how stupidly scared I sound. It's not him. I don't know what to do. I'm sitting in the dark for another 10 minutes, staring at the closet and trying to convince myself I've been hearing things. Maybe I'd left my door like that earlier, I think. But I knew deep down that I hadn't. I close my closet door every time I get something out of it because it can't stay open on its own and the squeaking drives me crazy. I want to mention that I'm not a very small guy. At the time of this, I was about 6 feet and had a relatively strong physique, but I was a stupid kid and because I had a twin who I did everything with, everything was scary on my own. Had Noah been there, I would have stood up and opened that door, confronted whoever or whatever was in my closet and that would be that. But I was alone and that was what scared me, so I did the only thing that I could make myself do. I lay back down and decided to see if anything else happened. What would I do if it did? I had absolutely no idea. So I laid and I waited. Not even five minutes had passed when the door began opening again. My breathing was shaky and I could hear my heart beat in my ears as I tried to look at the closet without moving my head. The door was creaking open and with the little vision I had I could see the dark silhouette of a man. A man. A man in my closet who was not Noah. Fear shot through my veins, and I used the only defence I had. I sat up and yelled Noah's name at the top of my lungs. The man bolted immediately. He ran from the closet to my door, flung it open and disappeared into the dark of my living room. I didn't get a look at his face, but I didn't care. I was terrified. I jumped out of my bed just as Noah burst into my room through the bathroom door, looking drowsy and startled as he asked me what was wrong. I didn't answer. Out of nowhere, my terror had been replaced with anger, and before I could stop myself, I was in the living room screaming for the guy to show himself. But the front door was open, and there was no sign of anything being disturbed. He'd gotten away. I won't bore you with the police report details, but long story short, I had no description to give, and they never found the guy. Unsurprising. 
But what they did find was what sent shivers down my spine to this day was a butcher's knife about five feet from our door in the hallway that didn't belong to us or any neighbours according to the police. They questioned Noah and I and when asked how we thought he could have gotten in the apartment I almost forgot about leaving the door open when we were playing around. We were only gone for about 10 minutes tops so that leaves us and the police with tons of unanswered questions. Was he an angry neighbour? Had he been watching us? What were his intentions? I don't have a lot of theories, but since we mostly have female neighbours and there aren't any security cameras at our complex, all the police can come up with is a staff member or someone from another floor saw the open door and took the chance to do god knows what. We broke our lease and moved into the freshman dorms that year, and nothing's happened since. But if it was someone in our building, tenant or staff, why haven't they tried anything again? Were they targeting us specifically? These are questions I know I'll never get the answers to, but to the guy hiding in my closet with a knife, let's never meet again. I had a very creepy friend, we'll call him Ben. I believe he might be a dangerous psychopath, or a worse, a serial killer. Ben and I met on Facebook in 2014, and he came to meet me in Romania in the summer of 2015. He seemed a little bit odd, but otherwise okay. One strange thing about him is that whilst he was at my house for a week, he didn't bathe for some odd reason, so he stank. So I showed him around Transylvania, and we both rented an apartment in Burrachest before his departure. We hang around Burrachest and he leaves. Our friendship continues online, and in 2016, I moved back to Canada. In May of that year, I fly over to Vancouver to hang out with him. Now, it's important to now say that this guy is a major gun nut. He collects a lot of firearms, and claims to have briefly been in the Canadian Army. He also claims that he works as a mercenary, and was in Georgia during the Russian invasion in 2008. He claims to have shot two people, and also suffers from PTSD. I get there and his apartment is filthy, I'm talking trash everywhere, two cats that made the place stink of cat piss. The guy kept his lights on 24-7 and on his wall was a clock that played loud tune every hour. His behaviour towards me while there was somewhat disrespectful, but I just took it as a buddy messing around with me. He said mildly creepy things, but I brushed it off as him being a prankster. I leave again and our friendship continues online. During this time, his conversation with me become darker and more hostile in a passive-aggressive sort of way. Ben is also a hardcore alcoholic who drinks until he passes out. He does all sorts of antisocial and downright vile things when drunk. Also, during the time of 2016 to 2017 period, he said that two men briefly lived with him for a short time. When I pressed him about what happened with those two men who he lived with, he changed the subject quickly. After what happened in 2018, when I last met up with Ben, I have a strong suspicion something bad might have happened to them. So fast forward to 2018, and me and my parents are driving to Vancouver from Calgary. Perfect time to meet up for a day or two with Ben. Big mistake. Ben is travelling from Kelowna to Vancouver, and we meet up at a bar near his house. We have a few drinks, and he goes home for the night. The next day we meet up and his behaviour towards me is disrespectful in a passive aggressive way and extremely creepy. 
We go to his workplace and he's very subtly disrespectful to me and his co-workers. He's put me on the spot and tried to make me look stupid around everyone. He was a supervisor, so most of the people underneath him were too complacent or too afraid to say anything. This man is obviously a psychopath. This is where it gets to a point where I believe my life is in danger. We go back to his place, he's drinking beer and I'm rolling a joint. A movie is playing and Ben's getting tipsy. He's basically now adopted a speech pattern in our conversation where I feel as though I'm being interrogated and toyed with. He's playing a video game on his computer and I'm watching a movie. By this time I'm feeling very uneasy. My gut instinct is telling me to leave. Generally speaking, you always listen to your gut instinct. That primal thing inside of you linked to fight or flight is best to be obeyed. Now, as the day progressed, and as Ben was becoming more drunk, he starts saying very weird things. He was mumbling about, I don't care about anyone but myself, I don't give a crap about people. This is a loaded gun beside me at the table. He looks at his computer screen and starts mumbling about being a madman with a gun. A few minutes later, he turns to me and says, Hey, what if I put some MDMA in your drink? Followed by, Nah, I'm just kidding. And the cat and mouse game continues. He's now talking about a guy who's HIV positive and how he's going to get the guy to give him an infection needle to infect himself with HIV so he can live on the government benefits for the rest of his life. This guy is absolutely unhinged. I'm sitting there in disbelief as just how vile this guy really is. I want to leave, but I also don't want him to know that I'm ready to go. It's an awful vulnerable feeling. He has another beer and turns to me. I'm now very uncomfortable. The talk is now about food. He turns to me, looks me straight in the eyes and asks, So if this was your last meal, what would you have? The look on his face one of stone-faced sincerity and malice. I knew I had to flee. My heart is pounding. I need to make my move. With adrenaline running through my body, I tell Ben in a very calm manner that the weed is making me feel funny and that I need to take a breath of fresh air. I quickly put on my shoes and leave before he has the chance to stop me. He makes me promise I'll be back. I go down the stairs into the sunlight. I feel like an animal that's just escaped slaughter. The place I'm standing is not too far from Ben's house. I'm wise enough not to tell him where I'm standing exactly. I start walking, feeling like I've just escaped certain death and the phone rings. Ben is asking where I am and he starts panicking. I tell him I'm taking a breather. Meanwhile, I get to my cousin's house. I manage to get inside. Night has fallen. This guy is calling my phone constantly. When I answer, he's trying to get me to meet with him and go for a ride. The tone in his voice is flat and fake. He says, We've just had a bad night. He's desperately trying to get me to go for a ride with him. I block his number. I block him on social media. That was the last time I spoke to that scumbag. In our many online conversations over the years, Ben will drop clues here and there about his past. He did horrible things during his supposed gig as a mercenary. He would go on drunken tirades about being a bad man having done bad things. He was going to do AA meetings and trying to put a facade of normality by volunteering at an old folks home. Deep down I think he's a psychopath, a potentially dangerous one at that and I just hope he never murdered anyone other than the two people he allegedly shot whilst on combat duty. Vancouver is a sketchy place full of missing people. I guess we'll never know.